Welcome back to The Everyday Hair Colorist. Today's guest is Leanne Reagan, salon owner, life coach, entrepreneur, hairdresser. Hey, Leanne, welcome. Hi, Jack. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, I wanted to start off today to talk to you. I mean, obviously, you're an independent hairdresser, which is what this podcast is all about. But I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the earlier part of your career until we go into where it is today. Because I always think people's journeys are so interesting. And I know for a fact that you were part of the Fame team for the British Fellowship of Hair. And you're also a GHD ambassador. Yes. Where did you start off? So um, I'm from Leicester. So I started in a salon in Leicester. And I think, you know, when I got into hair, there was obviously there wasn't, you know, the internet, there wasn't Instagram and things like this. But um, I was very curious when I first started training. But there wasn't really anybody in my area that were doing things. Like, I would always be really interested in magazines and, you know, um, like hair that I would see on TV and things like that. And there, there was no real concept of anything apart from life behind the chair, which wasn't a bad thing, but I was excited about what else and, and things like that. So um, my sort of earliest point of the career, I guess, that sort of, like, changed for me in my direction of where my career went was um, I actually paid for myself to go on a course when I was like 19. I'd always paid for myself to go on courses. And um, this one of the trainers on the course said to me at the end, I think you should try and go for this competition. Like I really enjoyed watching you cut hair. So I did and it, it was um, to be part of a GHD artistic team for like a year. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, it was the worst audition of my life. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> awful um so I got uh, obviously I was a young girl I'd never done anything like this before couldn't ask for advice from anybody but I was like always really overly confident and um so I got a 3am train down to London because it was the only one I could afford with my model and did um this audition and that's when we start out we don't earn any money at all do we no this is it you just do what you have to do um completely out of my depth as well when when I was actually auditioning and it was funny actually because Chris Appleton was um in the audition room as well and at that point he had just done um I know he'd been on tv for like I can't remember what the competition was but you know when you just realize that the people in the room are doing different things to what you're doing um anyway I uh I got in and I really didn't think that I did and I think that was the turning point because I really didn't feel that, I felt like it was a trick. So I, I decided that anything that came my way through that opportunity, I wouldn't say no to anything. Um, and that really was what opened the doors to the industry and, you know, the all the different opportunities. You know, hairdressing doesn't just stop at being a hairdresser. There's so much that you can do. And I think that was the change for me. It's so much you can do, isn't there? And I think it's really quite inspiring to see this 19-year-old young woman go out there and take take chances and risks, especially if you consider the, the time it was, because there wasn't the exposure. That, I mean, you, we got our magazines delivered to the salon every week, but that was kind of it, wasn't it? It was like a, another world, and to take that leap of faith, I mean, that's remarkable. Yeah, yeah, I think I've, I've always been quite brave when I was younger, but, um, and I think, you know, you just... There was there wasn't really any other option then either. That was the that was the way. That was the direction that I had to take to to find out more and to learn more. 
And I think actually it all did start with curiosity. I'm still kind of like that now, even with how I met you, Jack, you know, like it was, it's always a bit been about who do I need to learn from to be better? Like who out there is doing what I, I want to be doing and how can I get closer to them? How can I meet them? And it's still the same now, but in a different way now. It's so much easier because you can connect over social media, but the pattern is the same and yes. as it was back then. But the route is slightly different now, isn't it? Yeah. Because you can just chat away on Instagram to people. And if somebody answers you, you're like, oh, wow, that's really nice. And you have to take a few more risks in there. So GHD Ambassador, how long did you do that for? So I've been with GHD for over 10, is it over 10 years? No, it can't be. Yeah, it is. Oh, my God, that's so scary. Wow. Uh, no, yeah, I think around maybe like eight years. Yeah. And... Um, and, but it didn't start like that, you know. We were, we were part of the art team. We were kind of learning with them. And then being being an ambassador, it went from an art team to them being, um, you know, one of their ambassadors. And, and that was a natural progression, you know. The more work you did with them, the more campaigns, that kind of thing. It just naturally grew. As you personally grow, of course, as well. Because the more Absolutely. you're surrounded by people who think similarly to you and people are showcasing stuff to you, you grow as well, don't you? I mean, that's, that's our industry. And that's it. And I think as soon as you surround yourself with like-minded people, the pace of that growth is completely different, you know? So I was around people like Zoe Irwin, and I know that you've had her on your podcast. And, you know, just to be around her and you feel that aura, she is so inspiring. And, you know, and I think I'll say this now because I think sometimes, you know, when you're around people and they, they don't actually know the impact that they make, like just little things that they say and she was always very honest with her approach of this industry and she always you know like yourself gives everything shares everything in order to help and you know like I think when you've when you've felt that when you've been around that and you know it's had a difference then you want to become it you know that's something that now I want to do which is to share and help. Yeah, I mean, Zoe is very passionate about young people anyway, isn't she? She surrounds surrounds herself and all that stuff. How cool is that? So GHD Ambassador, British Fame Team, That's Mm. I think that's when I first met you properly, I think, when we'd seen each other at some events and stuff like that, and it's the highs and the hellos and everything. And then Mm. when you were part of the – I did a colour day with you guys on the Fame Team there, which was a number of years ago. Oh, my God. How how did you audition for that and how did you feel about that? Because a lot of young people would be kind of like, oh, no, that's not me, you know, mm. would be put off by it. But you you went for that as well. Yeah, I went for that as well. Again, that was just the case of, okay, who do I need to learn from now? Um, this, you know, the, fe- the Fellowship and Fame team is such an incredible opportunity because you have so many different mentors throughout yes. that year and you yeah. have a stay, you know, so regardless of you know um whether you like being a commercial hairdresser whether you like being creative or whatever it is there's always something that you can take from anybody and you have you know this abundance of knowledge and wealth and they want to help you so and then I think in that time was really when the shift was happening because I think when you first get exposed or at least at my age at that point when I first got exposed to the industry the things I was seeing on platforms and shows were creative work so I didn't really see commercial work at that time on those sort of platforms. Yes. And then I think the the tip was, because I knew, I really, I always knew deep down that I loved commercial work, but I just didn't see that it was getting the same sort of exposure as creative stuff. So, you know, you just don't know what you don't know. It didn't though, did it? For no. a long time, a long, long time, commercial was seen as 
the dirty the dirty yeah. work, not the, the glamorous, the fun work. And I think this is a really interesting conversation. Keep keep on going with this one. Yeah, definitely. It is. It, it is because it almost like swerved my career. Uh, because obviously well, as you're growing as well, like I didn't really 100% know what I was get like what direction I was going into. Um, I'm a feeling person. So I'm like, you know, this feels right, this doesn't feel right. So the, the level of exposure I was getting and the kind of learnings I was getting was right. But the kind of work that I was doing to in order to get to that didn't feel right didn't feel like it fit with me and then I think at that time when that shift was happening I was looking at okay I'm I'm noticing I actually do want to do I like commercial work I like people to look like the best versions of themselves I like people to feel like them you know so um then I saw your work and obviously Balliard was kind of coming in you were the only person in the UK that I've seen that were doing that and I was like oh I need to, we need to have a day with Jack <laughs> with the fame team. Um, and I was so happy when we did it. And, you know, that that actually really changed, again, it changed so much with how I approached her. And even that experience for me was such a, a breakthrough because, again, you know, if you're thinking you're, you're getting all this exposure from these creatives, like doing campaign work, doing fashion shows, doing all this stuff, you... you get so many little tips that really help you in that world but in the hairdressing world it was very much like you do this service forehead highlights it's charged this much it is an hour you do this it's this amount of time you charge this much and it's it was regimented and then you came in and was like okay throw all those balls away (laughs) like you can do this you can do that and it was it was an eye-opener because it was actually like you know anything really is possible again and and also just the approach to colouring in general was just kind of, you know, what I like. So, yeah, that's what I, when I sort of first met you. And then, um, again, the, the journey changes. I think, you know, somebody asked me um, a couple of days ago, why did you get into hair? And I think that evolves. So, like, obviously, as your journey changes, you evolve. And so after the fame team, I think, again, there was kind of like um, a, a bit of a shift with what I wanted to do. And then obviously decided to open the salon. And that brings us up to that then, doesn't it, really? Fantastic journey, though, and I think you really explained that really clearly. Um, One of the things I'm enjoying about this conversation is that you explored both avenues. Mm. You weren't turned off by either. And I think sometimes we can, sometimes I personally can be turned off by the, 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 some of the stage work Mm. and it doesn't feel genuine to me, but I can appreciate it. But you followed both and then really found what you wanted to do. And you set up, your own salon yeah what was that like because I'm sure there are lots of people thinking you know I'd like to do it on my own I'd like to go out on my own I know that it's not something I've ever wanted to do I just think it would be too complicated mm. for me I might even be done for GBH because I can't <laughs> I can't bear people telling me no you can't do that you know yeah so tell us about that story yeah, so it's interesting with that because all of my sort of like mentors, people who know me would always be like, you should open a salon, it's, you know, this is, you like challenges, you like to have different challenges all the time, like it would be great for you and I was just like, that point in my career I'd been travelling lots, I was doing, I had so many different variety of things that I would do, which I enjoyed, and I was like, why on earth would I restrict myself to, you know, one place? with loads of responsibility and so much expectation and the same thing, you know. It actually didn't feel like the right thing for me at all until um, 
I think what it was is I'd I'd kind of got to my dream situation, if you like. Like, I was doing stuff with the wall group, and I really like those guys over there. Um, and I just, again, I'm a feeling person. It just didn't feel right. Um, I just felt like I had, like, there was more purpose. Like, I just wanted to help or something like that. So... Um, if I just stop you yeah. there, so for people that don't know, the Wall Group, of course, is a huge agency, isn't it? Yeah. Where they represent all sorts of people and they represent hair artists who can then go out and do jobs for shoots and campaigns and all those kind of things. Yeah. But you didn't like it? No, it's like, um, I mean, I was only kind of like assisting and kind of um, helping out at that point. But I liked it. I do like it, but I just didn't feel like it was enough. Um, right. And... And again, at that point, couldn't really explain that. Now I completely understand what that feeling was. But at that point, I just I just didn't know what it was. So I, I lost it <laughs> and just wrote down all the different things that I could do, you know, like of I could because I love America. So I was like, I could move to America and I could do this. And I could move to London. I could do this. Or, and, and basically what it came down to was. If I chose two things, there's, there was like 95% I'd get chance I'd get everything that I'd ever want out of life, but 5% chance that I could not, like get 5% of stuff I couldn't get. And then I could open a salon and there was like a bigger percentage I would probably never get every, anything that I want, but there was more, but I could get everything that I want. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't choose a path that I knew I couldn't get everything that I want, even though the risk was high, I just couldn't choose that. So that was it. So that was me opening Renew. And um, and that's just been, it was absolutely the right thing for me. Honestly, like the what it's exposed to me about myself um, through the responsibility of having staff and things like that um, has been the, the changing point, I would say, in my career. It's been your growth spurt. Yeah, and I think like within, again, like with any part of your career, like you, you go through many different transformations you really do yeah and I think as well like um you know when you're younger I was speaking about this to somebody the other day when you're at school you get asked you know like what what do you want to be what do you want to be like it like it's a one thing like you are a hairdresser and that's it or you are you know like who would have thought a hairdresser would have a podcast (laughs) or you know who would have thought you know like that kind of thing that's interesting you say that because I think it was Chad Kenyon who was on here the other week was talking about the same thing that he thought it was absolutely ridiculous to ask a, a young person what do they want to be mm. and to sort of push them into that way but I think when you look at our industry it is there are so amaz- amazing opportunities across the full spectrum of everything you could possibly want mm. and you you have to look at them and find your own voice in it don't absolutely, you? Absolutely yeah I, I 100% agree with that and I think you know we there was a big thing you know, before all of this with COVID about, you know, people not wanting to come into the industry, um, you know, colleges and schools not actually, you know, recommending against coming into the industry. And that I find that so sad because, you know, if you're the kind of person who is creative, if you're the kind of person who loves communicating with people, if you're the kind of person who likes to learn a little bit of everything, you know, and enjoys options and flexibility and freedom like this career has so much to offer it really does and there's a there's something else in there that you know we don't always talk about but you can earn a lot of yeah, money exactly. you can live a great yeah, life absolutely <clears throat> and i think that's again you know it's just um 
I think the more, I think that is what Instagram is really doing wonders for and like social media and things like this. Just sharing that information and getting that out there um, to be able to, you know, educate everybody really that what you think hairdressing is or what you think that, you know, the value is or what is perceived from that kind of outside perspective you know when you're actually in the industry it's com- it's completely different your eyes really open to again like any career path yeah. of course there are Sam Walmart says there are one packers, two packers and three packers and a one packer just wants to do one thing mm. and a t- and you need them. Yeah. And then there's a two packer who likes to do a couple of things and then there's a three packer who probably ends up being a salon owner or can multitask within the salon. I like that. It's good. So you decide to open the salon. Mm. What was that experience like and what does the salon look like now? The experience was the scariest thing ever. So um, if anyone's heard my story before, um, I'm going to try and keep it short and then you can tell me if you want me to expand because it's a long story. But essentially, I actually got off to a bit of a rocky start um, because I thought, well, I I thought I'd planned everything. I'm quite pedantic when it comes to details, when it comes to stuff like this. But essentially, the, the loan that I had, for whatever reason fell through when I signed the key, signed... Eek. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, I, the other thing as well, it was seven weeks before Christmas and I knew that if I, if I opened in December, I'd have a real good shot at like hitting the ground running. So I had seven weeks, um, the place was this, like a complete mess. So everything needed doing, the ceilings were coming down, the walls were coming down, being rebuilt, electric had to be done, everything was had to be done and I had no money and not only that but my boyfriend had like from personal life I'd just bought a house that we were renovating and my boyfriend had quit his job six months before to get his own business so we were like what the hell have <laughs> we done oh my god <laughs> yeah um, but it was the best thing you know hindsight is magic because it really was the best thing that ever happened because we had to do you know when you're backed against the wall something happens and you just have this like fire and energy. I don't know where it comes from, but you know, like the amount of work that we did in that time to make that happen was incredible. And we had to ha- ask for help. Like the ego had to go out of the window. I was begging for help from anybody who would just spare five minutes to help me at that shop, you know, like any anything. Yeah. And we made it happen. And, and that's the phrase I like the most, mm, make it happen. Yeah. Because I think that, you know, if you don't, well, it just all falls apart, doesn't it? Mm. So instead of looking at all the problems, it's finding solutions to all the things that are in front of you, yeah. which I think is very important. And it's a reminder as well. I actually, I have make it happen on a really big poster above my bed that I did after that, after that experience. Because I was like, I need to always remember this. Yeah. Um, and, but the thing is as well is that, I have, I'm so blessed that I have that memory of actually what I'm capable of when my back's against the wall, because now I have something to compare to when it, when I know, I'm, basically when I know I'm giving my full effort and when I'm, no, I'm not really. Um, right. So yeah, so that was that, but um, we made it work and interestingly, we had like a huge amount of support straight away from um, the community. And I was very lucky to know great hairdressers in my area, so I got a really great team straight away. And we've basically been building very organically from there. Um, and 
it has been quite a quick growth in the area, if that makes sense, but also slow in the in the fact that we wanted to make sure that the culture was very set and that we understood who we were. For, because for like because of the way that we started, I kind of had a vague idea of what I wanted the culture to be, or or maybe more like what I didn't want it to be at that point. But I needed right. to really find my way with that um, and establish that before I kind of let people in. How have you found, or what qualities, I think is probably better, what qualities do you look in people to work on your team? Because mm. you can get very egocentric, can't it? And, you know, some people want to be the star of the show. Other people want to build their team up. Very different experiences where we work mm. or where we've worked. What were you looking for? So, like, a big part of our ethos is um, consistent growth, positivity, um, and like effort and accountability are two things that are just really important to me. Um, and I just, yeah, con- growth, positivity and like progression is like really um, like a huge part of what we're about. And I always say about operating in the spirit of excellence. So that's kind of like how I like to apply everything that we do really. But for me, in terms of when I'm bringing people on, I look at what is needed. So you know, there's no one is a complete article. Everybody has their superpower. So what I try to find within people is, you know, like what is their superpower and how can that contribute to this team? And that's kind of how I think about things. So, you know, the people that in my team, I can do things that they can't do. They absolutely do things that I cannot do. You know, like there, there can't be an ego because we're all good at certain things. We're also really bad at certain things. So that's how I sort of approach it. So it's like a jigsaw puzzle of the end picture and you've added the different slots in so that the whole team works stronger together rather than stronger independently. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, like I think that that is in itself like a process because in order to be able to do that well, you have to do your research about people and how you even approach something like that. Um, And also, you know, I have this theory and it is only a theory, but... I think sometimes we can lose who we are working with people because we are very good at, you know, being a chameleon where you adapt your personality for the person in your chair. Yes, it's the nature of our job, isn't it? Yeah, it's literally, you know, we get taught to do that, mirror, build rapport, you know, all of that kind of thing. But sometimes, like, I think, and what, what I've experienced, maybe just from my own experience, but I think sometimes you can lose who you are a little bit in that if you've not got already like a really firm grasp of it or if you've not done some like mm. self-development or something like that so sometimes you know like even just asking somebody the question like what do you like or what do you want or what are you good at like it's actually quite it's too big it's like too big a question so um so even like breaking it down and having conversations with quite, uh, your staff you know like the, to find out who they are that actually is a process in itself sometimes because there's mm. lots of different things you have to break through. But that's the exciting bit for me. That's what I love. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that a little <laughs> bit later on, because I think this is that's an important part of your, your story. Mm. Um, so how big's the salon? How many chairs have you got now? How many chairs did you start with? Because I know that you have grown. Yeah, so we had five to start with, but we we had space, if that makes sense. So, we had, um, so now we've got one, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. And there's still a little bit more space. So you've doubled up yeah. already, which is brilliant. Mm. Obviously, more clients coming in as well. Yeah. Um, one of the big conversations on this podcast, really, and it's always the commercial question, isn't it? It's how do you manage your clients' expectations? Okay, so this is, um, I think it's just it's all just about that conversation in the beginning. 
And there's lots of different things that um, we do to kind of break down how we'd have a conversation. Um, but essentially, it's just being super honest. Like we, there were certain things that, like even in the salon layout, so our colour bar, everything's exposed, everything's open. And the reason why is because if I didn't, this is kind of a bit controversial, but, um, and again, it was a massive risk, but I thought if I don't give the stylist the ability to hide something, they can't hide like mixing up another colour bowl or they can't, it means that they have to have a really honest, honest thorough consultation at the beginning. Um, and it worked. <laughs> so, um, but managing client expectations, like we have um, a concept that um, I actually got taught by um, Okin and Fame Team and it stuck with me and then I elaborated on it which is um, for something to look well it has to be uh, suitable, fashionable and executed well but within those three things there's lots of different things if that makes sense. Right. Um, So I kind of build on that when we have a consultation and we also have um, like journey forms so we can be very specific if we feel that there is a bit of a journey and we need to make sure that we've kind of covered everything. Yes, because that's the tricky bit, isn't it? If there's a bit of a journey and the client's expectation is, even though she says, yes, I understand there's a bit of a journey, but then when the first step of the journey is completed, they're like, it's not really what I wanted. It's, yeah. I wanted to be this. And it's like, it's not always achievable. And I think I think you said something um, before that was along the lines of, and I don't want to like say it wrong, <laughs> but Doesn't matter. Um, it was something along the lines of, you know, like undersell over deliver. And I, I kind of think that that's a great, you know, way of doing it. It's not that you're necessarily underselling yourself, but I'd rather just kind of like be like, this is, you know, this is where we're going to be at today. And if it's more, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. But that's going to be, I'd rather be on that side of the conversation. Me too, because I think when you say yes, 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 and quite often we're, we're, we're people pleasers, we're trained to please people, but by saying yes, 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 without hesitating and sort of saying, actually, maybe not mm. today. I think that's where it all goes wrong. Also, I wanted to ask you about deposits. Mm. You know, I'm a a huge fan of it. I'm an advocate of it for our industry. I feel like people should be charged uh, for all sorts of things. Uh, Where do you sit with that? Yeah, we actually sit... I think, you know, hearing you talk about it so confidently and putting it on social media and, and, again, like, those things that you guys do, like, that really helps the salon owners to cement the action because we yes. feel less like the baddie. Does that make sense? You know, like being that person. I know it sounds stupid, but if you're in a small city, uh, your your clients, and like anywhere, but especially in a community, your clients become almost like your friends, like everybody knows somebody, everybody knows somebody. Yes. So to do the thing that's maybe a bit different, it's kind of, it can be quite scary. I can feel why, you know, it can be difficult sometimes. So having, you know, people like yourself making those changes. So we do deposits for everybody at the point of consult, at the point of consultation. Um, And yeah, it definitely, you know, it's so much better for our stylists because our industry has been known for like no shows and things like that. So it just shows the level of commitment from both, both sides. I think it really does. And when you look at, if you look at the numbers for the people that cancel and lost earnings, because you can't fill yes. those spots. Mm. Um, you just can't. It's crazy. Mm. It's really cool. Now, renew education. Yes. Now, that is 100% commercial colour education. Yeah. Which, you know, of course, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about how that came from the salon and what it's been like for you and your thoughts. 
Okay, so um, again, like just going back to what I said about the team, um, for me, it's about finding everybody's like superhero strength. So I I think I'm more of a, a motivator and somebody who like inspires. I I think I, I can teach, but I'm not the best teacher. Like whether somebody, uh, Liam, who's in my team is fantastic educator, is a very good teacher and he loves teaching. So when we talked about education, it was kind of like, you know, something that he has ownership of as well like it's kind of like something that he has an opportunity within if that makes sense so we kind of worked on that together and um again it happened organically because people were messaging renew and asking how we were doing techniques so we were like okay people want to know so and this is this is all obviously because of your instagram yeah all because of the salon social media yeah Um, because those looks those looks are very grammable, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think Pinterest as well, actually, because you know Pinterest gets gets overlooked a bit, but we've we've got quite a good Pinterest account. We have quite a lot of viewers. We put our pictures on there, and then you know, like if that goes into a salon, then they follow you, and that's yes. know, organic. But so that was that really, and we've only done um, we've only been kind of running one course at the moment, which is our Instagram to reality, which is like how how to kind of set up like Instagram and how we take our pictures and then some styling hacks and things like that. Um, but it went really well and really enjoyed it. And we collaborated with um, a lady called Joe Robertson, who was who I met through GHD as well. She was like the global educator yes. for GHD. Um, so that was really great to do that with her. And hopefully we'll be doing more. But obviously with this kind of break that we've just had recently, we've kind of been looking into doing more things online um, yeah. and how that kind of transmits as well because that's like we've been watching a lot of your stuff it's kind of it's kind of difficult doing it without any reaction because you have to almost like pretend it's there I know that sounds weird but just making sure that it transmits you know i tell you the most difficult thing I've found in it is to to be able to not work around the doll head because the camera is just stuck in one position and normally mm. the camera moves around. So it's been difficult to find the angle so your elbow is not all in the way of the camera. Yeah. Um, but I think, of course, it, you get used to these things and you adapt and you learn and like anything else and you you just learn to figure it all out. Yeah. It happens. And you just have to keep doing it and doing it until it's natural. That's where we're at. We're at the... We're at the just keep like doing, <laughs> just keep practicing until it feels natural. I think it's great though if there are a couple of you or you've got friends, and this is my advice to everyone who asks me: is record it, ask your friend to watch it, ask your friend to look at you uh, on a an Instagram chat, and so that they can see what's happening and that they can give you feedback. And then you know one's going to have to go up anyway. It doesn't necessarily have to be live, and you just figure it out. That's really good advice as well. Yeah. I think that will help. So, Renew Education, starting off really nicely because of the influence of Instagram, of course, which has been really fantastic for us, the commercial hairdressers. I mean, it's just shown how much people are really interested in commercial hair, which is cool. Yeah. But then you've taken it the next step. You are now coaching. Yes. So, um, my kind of, when I started Renew, uh, a big part of it was like, for my clients as well, and, and everything that I've done with my clients, it's always been about trying to find the best version of them. And then when I got my team, it was like doing that for them. It's a completely different kettle of fish then because you're kind of working on like goals and lots of different things like blockages. And 
basically that's when I realised that this, that is the thing that I just love. Oh, I don't know if it was natural progression or not, but I've always been so interested in people. I think that's part of what always drew on me to hairdressing. Right. curiosity and um, so I did I've been um, studying coaching for ages but with this time I've been able to just sort of like learn a little bit more so I've I'm certified in four areas of coaching now and I'm doing NLP at the moment um so just trying to like learn as much communication as possible and um and you know one of the things is as well with like educating whether you educate in anything that it is that you do um you know it's always a bit scary putting yourself out there but there's something that, like I say to my team, and I have to kind of remind myself sometimes as well, is that, you know, all you have to be is a few steps in front of somebody to, to speed up their progress. Because, you know, gone, like the way that we used to learn is either by like trial and error or, you know, taking stuff back to school or, you know, going to college or whatever. And now we've got, now everything's moving so quick and everything's changing so quick that even if somebody knows, like, you know, like one thing, like that's of value, share it. Yes. So, and I think sometimes that can be scary because you think I need to get better before I can share it. I need to do more before I can share it. And it's just like, if you're really good at something, whatever it is that you're good at and you have value, like you can share that, like, you know, start sharing that now. So I know that the information that I'm kind of like, doing especially with what like what's kind of been going on recently in the industry um I've kind of been had a lot of salons I have because of my social media I have people reaching out to me just to ask for advice so again I've just started down um being able to offer those services for salon owners um we've just done a free webinar for assistants to kind of tap into their goals and give some signing hats when they're back to help just salon teams in general, um, just to kind of relieve nice. the pressure. So I did that on Monday and it was really good. I got some great feedback and um, a few people have asked if they can watch it again. So I'm going to do it again. So again, all in kind of practice of just doing this digitally as well. And But I'm really enjoying it. It's been really good. And you said to me earlier, who thought a hairdresser could have a podcast? <laughs> Who'd have thought a hairdresser could become a coach? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the industry is amazing, isn't mm. it? Yeah, so, Leanne, going, we're in the 21st century. You're obviously an advocate of social media. Let's have a chat about it. First of all, are you doing a dance on TikTok? Um, I did one. I have done one. But it's just so hard, isn't it? I'm too old. Yeah, totally hard. I'm just going to get the like, well, assistants at the salon to do the TikTok channel. I think that that's their domain. Let them nail it. <laughs> I, I think that's, I, I don't know whether I quite agree with that, but I don't think I'm ready to take my top off and dance in tight grey sweatpants yeah. to some strange dance. I'm not ready yeah. for that, but I'm, I'm mm. interested in TikTok. But really social media, of course. Um, what did you do with your Instagram account? How have you grown your numbers? You've got a nice steady, you're just, just under 10,000 on your salon, which is a, a good amount to have there. You're obviously speaking to the right people. Take us through your Insta, if you could. Um, so our Instagram speaks directly to our clients. So that's who we're targeting. Thank you. And Praise be. <laughs> and, you know, what we do, I've actually, I don't really look after our social media now. Um, our front of house, Sarah looks after it. So she has, like, our brand book, and that was really integral in terms of like is um passing over but what we do essentially is we just focus on what is it that our clients are struggling with what problems do they have like what do they need more knowledge on 
Um, so every time that there's a problem at the salon or if even just like little things, you know, like say if um, there's a communication problem when we're having a consultation, I use that as an opportunity that, okay, that's still something that needs to be talked about on social media then because that's still not obvious. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I kind of, right. like, do it like that. or um, So, essentially, it's just kind of... Uh, and it kind of naturally grew like that because the minute somebody, you know, starts relating to these problems, um, that's when they start, you know... I, I heard something a while ago, and it's like, you know, if people to buy into you, you have to like, like, know you like you and trust you. So, it's that trust yes. thing that we're trying to kind of get across, I guess, with our social media, as well as, obviously, making sure that the image looks great and the hair looks great. Um, and also, it's on brand, and it still sounds like us, and it feels like us. Yeah, your page, your page is very on your mm. brand, though, isn't it? When it, it, somebody said to me a long time ago, when a picture comes up on somebody's screen, they should know it's your mm. page. And so, whenever I see something come up, I know that it's your page too. So it's like, and I think that people that have been clever at this uh, do that. And I think the other clever piece is to really speak to your mm. audience and know your yeah, audience. But you've also talked about Pinterest today. I haven't looked at my Pinterest page in years. Strangely, Pinterest was um, kind of like a secondary thought because I, we only created it as a tool for our stylists to be able to use. Um, so we created lots of different folders. Obviously, we kept them open. And whenever we shared our Instagram photo, we would just share it straight into Pinterest. But then I went on one day and we had half a million viewers. And I was like... That's a lot. How the hell has this happened? Um, now we've got like 200,000 views I checked today. And um, the you know, some of the posts were like posted, pinned like 9,000 times and stuff. So the, the engagement was a lot. And then I started looking at how that then transferred to like the website analytics and things like that. So we were actually getting quite a lot of click-throughs on the website. But obviously Pinterest was, we weren't targeting it to our local area. It was like global. So what I decided yes. to do was take the Pinterest to our blog so then the blog would share knowledge that then might interest them to go to the Instagram or find out more about us and that kind of thing. So they became a fan. Um, so right. that's kind of like what, what we do, basically. So like our Pinterest um, is, you know, everybody goes on there for inspiration. So even if it's not our pictures, our pictures are on there as well. But even if it's not, it goes to, you know, the information that we would post will go to like our blog and then that goes to our Instagram and it's just like a nice little kind of circle but we don't it's no effort because it's, we're already posting on um instagram so yeah so i do that same with facebook i mean i don't use facebook but the facebook business page uh, it uh I, you know it goes straight from my instagram to that and occasionally i might put something different mm. on there but generally i don't bother with it it just sort of rotates through but uh, facebook is also quite important to local areas be communities um but the pinterest thing's really really interesting cool Finally, how did it feel to be named by Hello as one of the top salons outside of London? That was insane, to be honest. Like, <laughs> it was just crazy. I was so overwhelmed by that. I'd actually, um, this is probably a bit emotional, but um, because of the journey that we'd had, and it was obviously such hard work, and I'd had, you know, my uncles and my friends and people that were going to come and work for us all do that space and work on that space, that when I seen the picture... I just was like overcome with emotion because because of how much it meant to everybody, how many hours people had put into it. It just meant so much more. Mm. 
Um, but obviously that was such a huge driver then for clients and things like that, you know, like having that profile and being able to put that accolade on our website and on our, our Instagram. Yeah. They, you know, you can't really even put a value to that. It was just incredible. So I had, you know, I was super overwhelmed because of what it actually just meant to me emotionally, but obviously from a business aspect as well, it was just fantastic. So, um, yeah, it was great. And, you know, we want to, one thing that we have, haven't really done that much is, you know, put ourselves out there in terms of competitions that much whilst we've been building the business. So that's kind of like our, our next focus, I think is to kind of do that kind of thing. It's quite funny because we had Jane Lewis Orr on the other week and we've also had um, Nikki Pope from Tribute and Colour World talking about the, and I wanted to talk about competition as in for commercial salons yes. and all of that. And they're really open to it and doing some great things for it. So it, it can't be a better yeah. time to be a commercial hairdresser, Absolutely. can Absolutely. And I think that's what's really exciting. We're, we're excited to enter the competitions again now because of the because of that. Yes, absolutely. It's... Um, the playing field has changed. Yeah. I'd like to thank you, Leanne, for coming on today. Now, on Instagram, it's Renew Hair Studio, R-E-N-U Hair Studio. And for Leanne's own Instagram account, it's Leanne underscore Regan. Yes. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jack. Thanks for coming. Great chats and congratulations on doing so much so young. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you. Don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcast from. iTunes is my favorite, but I know there are others out there. And also, if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R, the American way, not the English way. And on Facebook, it's Jack Howard Color, C-O-L-O-R. And my website is www.jackhowardcolor.com. Thank you.